before we get into today's episode, and yes, I put the ad in the beginning of the intro this time because I tried it last week and didn't like the format, but that doesn't change the fact that this episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That is podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot co. Boy, I read that off well. On this episode, Hyrule Warriors is officially the fastest selling Dynasty Warriors game of all time and best. We discussed what Fire Emblem Raps we would cut from Smash because there's eight of them. That's a lot. And we answered some questions by our fellow podcaster Brock Matthews who asked us, what's the best starter combination for Gen 1? Who actually won on Mount Silver or what happened on Mount Silver? And what game we put ourselves into? This is a good one. I feel good about it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. back to another episode of the Switch It Up Podcast, Season 2, Episode 24. My name is Tyler, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Colby. Colby, how are you doing today? First day of the second semester, so it was exciting in some aspects, and that, uh, oh no, feeling in others, but not too bad, if we're being completely honest. I have more i have more classes this go around so just kind of just trying to build a schedule in my head of how i can attack it all at once without having too much work on the weekends so got some stuff done today other than that i'm doing pretty well not much to report on for the gaming front like i mentioned last week we're just kind of in waiting for Mm. 3d world and bowser shuri obviously but do have stuff to talk about today. Not a ton of news at all. The, the only news bit I have we got this morning, and we'll get into that here in a little bit, but yeah. I do have stuff that we can discuss. But Tyler, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. I'm in the second week of my second semester uh, for sophomore year. Uh, so far, it's going all right. Schedule's a little different than how I'm used to uh, doing things, but so far, it, it's... You know, slowly building up. I I'm just fearing. I don't know. I feel like these first few weeks are, are a little nerve wracking, uh, but so far I, I feel like I've been able to, you know, handle it all right. So I'm hoping that that'll continue into the weeks following. Uh, but aside from school, I have been back on the hunt for for shiny legendaries, uh, in in Pokemon Shield, particularly Ho Oh is my target and uh so far i have not even had any normal shiny luck uh with with any of my encounters so far a lot of fun battles though uh only failed one out of the many raids i've done over the days but uh so far no shinies yet but i am i am uh, determined to continue my hunt so that's about all the personal 
uh, stuff I have. So, yeah, I think now's about time we get right into the news bit. All right, first news bit then. The f- updated Age of Calamity sale numbers came in this morning from Koi Tecmo. So, we'll read that off. It got off to a really hot start, 3 million units sold, and they, that would, they updated that pretty quickly within its first two weeks. But mm. in... Since then, it has slowed down drastically, and uh, up until the end of December, it has sold 3.5 million units worldwide. Still the most successful Musou game ever, Warriors, Warriors Dynasty game ever. That officially puts it at 16th all-time on the Nintendo Switch list as far as sales go. Mm-hmm. And if I had to guess, that is the highest it will get. And funny yeah. enough, on, on its trail at 17 is Among Us. So, oh, got some God. stuff, got some newer, newer party games making the runs here, but... Yeah, this is just goes to show we thought we hyped the Age of Clanning for such a long time. I feel like it delivered in many aspects. And just goes to show, again, that Koi Tecmo partnership Nintendo has is really hitting it big here in the last couple of years with Hyrule Warriors, Fire Emblem Warriors, and they did have some input on Fire Emblem Three Houses. Those are really the three big ones. But yeah, just another great showing of how that partnership has paid off. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it's crazy to see that the sales really did just come to a halt after those first two weeks. So most, of the, most of the people who have the game got it on release, which is interesting to see, uh, but not really surprising considering the type of game that it is, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Among Us coming up behind it is pretty funny. But then again, I'm pretty sure Hyrule Warriors is 12 times as expensive as as Among Us. Clock. Yeah. I think Among Us is like $5 on the Switch. Yeah, at most. So, you know, I feel like, you know, when you're looking at strictly units sold, uh, that Among Us number is a little, you know, more understandable because it's much more affordable than uh, than Go Hyrule Warriors. But 16th is nothing to scoff at. So I am no. definitely uh, excited to see uh, what role Koei Tecmo will have in future Nintendo collaborations. Uh, as well as hopefully possibly DLC for Hyrule Warriors coming soon yeah. since the Zelda 35th anniversary is uh, slowly but surely uh, creeping up on us and is around the corner. So uh, hopefully we will get some more information on that as well because I'm pretty confident that that game will receive at least one wave of DLC. Do you think the direction of the story and plot in Age of Calamity helped or hurt the sales? That is a really good question. Um I think, hmm, honestly, I think it might have hurt it a little bit. Uh, at least for getting newer players into it. Um, because I feel like a lot of the people who may have waited to buy Age of Calamity, uh, after they found out that it was basically a separate timeline and had no bearing on their main story, they may not have gotten it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Personally, I think the story is a definite plus. Uh, I have really no quarrels with it and the direction they took it, uh, but I know a lot of people probably do. Uh, I feel like it might have hurt it more than helped it. I don't think that margin is skewed super heavily, uh, but I do think that the majority of the consensus maybe that the story hurt it a little bit. If we're talking strictly sales, I think the story may have uh, hindered that a little bit, but uh, certainly not, you know, in, in, in a crippling fashion. Yeah, no. I just think from a production standpoint, the reason they did that with the story is because the whole, the biggest catch, obviously, is playing as all the champions. Yeah. So you want to keep that 
going as long as you can. And if they were all killed off after 20 hours of gameplay, then you're like, well, what the hell did I get this for? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it, I don't know, it's tough because you get you get to play as the heroes from the actual Breath of the Wild timeline and the champions that you were that have been so so hyped up. So in that regard, it's a plus. But I guess just how they did it might turn off some players and people who are all about the Zelda lore. Obviously, definitely got the game, and mm-hmm. that was that the plot point wasn't going to stop them from doing so. But maybe just casual fans who. You know, maybe not know all about the lore, and maybe not are even intertwined with the story of Breath of the Wild because you don't have to play the story technically. Maybe mm-hmm. that did help. Maybe that did hurt them once they found out what it was all about. So I just thought it was interesting because that is something we talked about. Uh, the biggest, obviously, the biggest surprise in the whole game is what happens in the story. So yeah, maybe, maybe now that people know about it, it was a turn off to some. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's really all I have for <laughs> Age of Calamity as far as news goes. Now I guess we're getting to more of fun stuff. There's no real direction here with any of this. We're just gonna let this, we're just gonna let this ride. So all right, all right. Here we go. Here's my first thing, and I already mentioned it to you once. We're just gonna start with nice and easy as far as us two are concerned. Okay. Recently, Bylus one year of being in Smash was being Smash. was being either celebrated or hated, depending on which side of the Fire Emblem and Smash spectrum you fall. Mm-hmm. obviously with our episode for that like byleth is essentially like, that's our character like that's this podcast character so the fact that he and she got in smash was awesome but yes eight reps is so many reps from a series and i don't care what it is like especially in fire emblem a series that is definitely not as popular as mario or pokemon which have i think respectively like a, a really high amount of reps too mario mm-hmm. probably obviously being the most but it just come. I just come to think. If you were, if Smash Brothers came to you, if Sakurai's like, I gotta cut this roster down, and we're starting with Fire Emblem, how many Fire Emblem reps? I guess we'll start here. Why do you think there are so many reps from Fire Emblem in Smash Brothers? It may just because it may just be because Sakurai likes the series. To be honest, that's yeah, true. I feel like I feel like that's a pretty simple explanation, but one that could be overlooked is maybe Sakurai just likes the series. Uh, I don't know, because you think it's kind of like a double-sided coin from a marketing standpoint, because you're maybe you're trying to put this fire like that. The case with Corin, you know, like that game was just coming out, and Smash kind of included Corin as it's the timing seemed like it was a cross promotion, you know, like mm-hmm. having Corin and Smash would direct sales to the new game and direct attention to the new game. Uh, well, at the same time, people will be like, well. What the hell is this? Like, why should? Why do I care about this person? You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean. Uh, and people are always complaining about, oh, wasted slot. The slot could have been used on someone else. Yada yada. But yeah, as far as why, I think Sakurai may just like the series. I think part of it is Nintendo trying to push Fire Emblem a bit more, just as a series, and it obviously worked. I mean, that's the exact it, reason I have. Yeah, Melee basically revived Fire Emblem in the U.S. Well, it didn't, didn't even, didn't even revive, intro, introduced it. Yeah. yeah, introduced it, yeah. So uh, maybe they were just riding that wave ever since Melee, where you yeah. know, Fire Emblem exploded in popularity uh, because of Roy and Mars' inclusion, and maybe they were just riding that wave all the way to Ultimate uh, with now eight Fire Emblem characters. Yeah. Uh, I think that might be the reason. We might not never know the real reason, but, I mean, you know, Sakurai had... 
more of a say of who got in back in the day, uh, or at least before, you know, the the DLC that we're yeah. getting now, the Fighters Passes, where they were all picked by Nintendo themselves, the more executive members. So maybe you just like the series and you liked including them uh, slowly over time. So that might be the case. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Like, the Sakurai is a huge Fire Emblem fan, which yeah. is obviously the case. But Fire Emblem was a big hit in Japan. And when yeah. it finally came over to the U.S. via Melee in 2000, I think 2000 was the year Melee came out, uh, Marth and Roy were unknown entities. And Marth obviously had a game, but I don't think Roy had a game at the time. I think it was in production, and that's why he got in. To Oh, you think so? Because it was like it was like Blazing Blade or something. Blazing right? Blade came out in 2003. It's three years after Melee. Oh, so. shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right as far as like that's essentially what spread the popularity of the series out here in the West. But even then, the series was on life support for a while, like through Blazing Blade, Radiance. Uh, good God. Um, I'm trying to name all the games. Genealogy, Holy War, like all those games were yeah. none of them. None, none of the, I look, none of those games hit a million sales. And right. I, obviously video games like weren't as big as they were in the mid 2000s. But still, like you had this Nintendo property that is being essentially on, on life support for all these years until Awakening yeah. came out, obviously. And Awakening literally saved the series from being yes, shut down. Yeah. And then since Awakening, you have Fates and Three Houses, the main common games, and those are those have sold extremely well. So, yeah. Yeah, F- Fire Emblem being in Smash more so seems like it's just a reminder. It's like it's a series. And that's right. okay. That's okay because it is Nintendo. And Fire Emblem now is just in having reps in Smash Brothers. But... Yeah. Eight just seems like a lot, so I thought it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see who we can cut out. I mean, all Nintendo properties are different from each other, obviously, but Fire Emblem has always seemed to be kind of a... to still stick out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, where it, it almost feels like it doesn't fit in with the rest of the characters, just because, you know, they're... the, the characters are more realistic looking proportionally and there's the game itself is more serious there's more yeah serious like going to it it's a little less you know it's very it would be easy to completely separate like people may not immediately think nintendo when they think fire emblem they may think it now but at face value looking at like fire emblem alongside the other series you know it, it sticks out as kind of an outlier mm-hmm. so maybe all the maybe all the fire emblem reps in smash are trying to draw that unique audience that may not overlap with any of its other series into smash. Yep. Uh, since, you know, since the, that may attract a lot of people who don't play like any other Nintendo games, but, uh, fire Emblem and other strategy games that are obviously outside Nintendo. Uh, that may be, I, I'm not very confident in that theory, but that may be another reason. There obviously could be multiple reasons why this decision uh, when to effect but that's just another thing that i was thinking of maybe it's the uh to draw in some of the fire emblem fans uh that may not play any other nintendo properties i realize that number may pr- be pretty low but hey it's it's ba- it, backwards compatibility if you will right right all right so that leads us in who to who would we cut so here are all the reps we have we've marth roy ike lucina crom Robin, Byleth, and who am I missing? There's one more. Corrin? Corrin. Yep, that's the eighth. 
How many would you have from the Fire Emblem series in there? I put a poll on Twitter, and it was split between four and five but on our Twitter. Well, what, I just want to see who I want to cut, and then maybe we can All right. we'll just land on numbers. So, Corrin's out, I think. Okay, well, so we'll start at the top. Corrin's out. I think Corrin's gone. Uh, he, I don't know. Corrin has a really unique moveset, and, you know, it's it was kind of a breath of fresh air from the other Fire Emblem characters, but... yeah. I don't know. For me personally, like Corn just doesn't really hit the same way. No, Corn's uh, not as notable as some of the other characters on this yeah. list. Are. Get rid of Lucina, I think, as well. It pains me too, but I agree. Cause she's Neko. That's yeah. literally all she is. She's Neko fighter. Then again, this one may be weird. I'm thinking get rid of Roy, but keep Crom. Okay, that's unique. What, what's the what's the line of thinking there? I don't know, because I, I you want to keep the awakening protagonist, right? Like I would, argue, I would argue the awakening protagonist is Robin. That's true, Robin also. But like, can you have Crom without Robin? I mean, I guess they did for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I on my list personally, I don't have Crom, but I kept Robin. I don't know. Would you cut Roy? I. It was between Ike and Roy, and I was Team Ike originally, but then I looked more into it and. Roy ended up knocking out like I have four and Roy is oh, one of okay. my Roy is one of my four. The sales kind of separated it because Blazing Blade and Binding Blade sold better than Path of Radiance and, true, and Radiant Dawn. And Roy was in with Marth like they, they're they're one and the same. They were both introduced in 2000 in Melee. They're both the first characters to come from Fire Emblem. So I gave the nod to Roy. I don't know. I, I, I'm hesitant to, re- to replace Ike because I was too. He's the heavy swordsman character. Like he's, we need him. I feel. In looking at a Smash context, I feel like Ike should stay. I don't know. It's subject to change, so we'll keep liking the maybe. So we have Marth, Roy, and Byleth are all locked in for you. Byleth's in. Robin as well is locked in. As Robin well. is in. Those are the four I have: Marth, Roy, Those Robin, and Byleth. Robin just because Robin's so different. Like, yeah, Robin's Robin, a swords character. That's why I kept him and her for mainly. Yeah, Robin and Byleth kind of show the alternate aspects of Fire Emblem rather than just the sword play. Correct. Because you, know, you have your magic and you have your weapon hierarchy with Byleth. So mm-hmm. uh, I think those should stay also because we're biased to Byleth. But is also the most current Fire Emblem game. So Best-selling Fire Emblem game, console Ever. Fire Emblem game, yeah. help put a stamp on the series, all those reasons are why Byleth. Yeah, keep it in. So we got Marth, Roy, Robin, uh, Byleth. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I, I feel like that's fine. I could add or subtract Ike uh, to make it five, but I, I think five is fine. I think those five are pretty synonymous with the series. We cut, So that means we're cutting out Lucina, Crom, and... Uh, Corn and corn and corn. Uh, yes. So, so we still have the awakening representation with Robin, Robin. Uh, and then we have Byleth, and then the, the two. Yeah, I guess we can cut. Yeah, I think I think you kind of sold me on it. I think we can cut Ike. That's interesting though. Like you obviously have to have an awakening rep in there, but who would you put? I I think Robin because Crom and Lucina are definitely the more two noticeable characters and more distinct characters, but. Robin's just a breath of fresh air. For yeah, Robin's just, Robin's just cool. Robin is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. In a Smash context, I want to keep Ike just because Ike. of just his, of moves, his just like, heavy, style. heavy yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, 
But, you know, if you're just looking at the Fire Emblem series, you know, he, he's probably more popular. He probably is getting honored more popularity in Smash than in his home game. I would agree with that for sure. Which you can probably say for a lot of Fire Emblem characters, ironically. But probably, yeah, probably everybody is more popular. Yeah, I'd probably, than keep, I'd probably keep Ike just from looking at a Smash standpoint. So five. Uh, n- not exactly Mark his Roy, game. So, yeah, I, Mark, I keep Roy, Ike, Robin, Pileth. Yeah, I, I'd cut Corrin and the two Echoes. Or two, uh, oh, wait, I feel like that's a pretty safe play, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it is a safe play. But, you know, you're, Ike is, you're, you're Ike is on, the rocky, on a rocky side. You already know there's people out there who just want Martha and Roy. Cut everybody else. Yeah, that's true. Some people probably don't even want them. That's true. They just don't want any Fire Emblem representation in Smash Brothers at all. But I think that's good. I think, I don't know, Fire Emblem's... Fire Emblem's earned its place, I think, now. For sure now, yeah. So I think they deserve their, their representation now. I don't think they deserve to be purged from the system. No. Well, isn't Krom just an Echo of Roy? So that's fine, yeah, too. Krom, Krom's a Roy Echo. Yeah, Lucina's a Marth Echo, and Corrin is just from a game that is very split on if people like it. Yeah, people people are not do not have a consensus on Fates. People don't really like that you have to buy three games to get the full story. That's ridiculous. Three so, hours did the same thing, but it's all in just one game. Yeah, but it was all in one game. So I feel like, you know, th- those five represent the the game series the best. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that I think that's pretty reasonable uh, of an ask for like for a future Smash game if they had to cut the roster down, you know, which Fire Emblem ones you'd keep. I feel like that's a that's a pretty good roster there. Yeah. Four or five, either of those, either of those options would work. Yeah, I suck yeah. at Lucina, but Martha is definitely more. <laughs> Martha is definitely more of an icon than Lucina ever will be. Right. So, there's our fire. There's our fire emblem gutage. Sakurai, if you ever need anybody, just you yeah, know, you know, you know who to call, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so up next, we have some some more Pokemon stuff. We have a couple Pokemon things here, as far as just fan Boy. service goes. I send you this this uh, this absolutely outrageous um, rankings of characters in Sword and Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I'm not. I don't want to get mad, so I'm not going to go over to listen in its entirety. But <laughs> hang on, let me go find it again. It's in like Japanese, so but I have some. <laughs> I have some translation here. So we have at 15. There's 15 of them. So. I think Olena is her name. The Oleana. Oleana, yeah, the assistant to Chairman Rose. She's fifteen. She got the lowest score total of all the of all the votes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you said I it think in a text. I can't find it. Oh yeah, I got you. But yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean Oleana. I don't know. She didn't really leave a huge impact on the story. I think, but. I think the most maybe, I remember from her is that Twilight Wings episode. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the Twilight Wings episode helped her a lot, or uh, helped her character a lot. Oh, did you send me it? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I feel like the Twilight Wings episode we have to thank for for her placement on this list. Uh, definitely yeah, so, gave her a bit more of a sympathetic uh, outlook. Also, her battle music is sick. Uh, I feel like it that's is. that maybe that that's a huge factor that can't be overlooked for a lot of these characters because the music just does them so well. So Oleana's battle music is great. Uh, the theme that is pretty well known now where her entire team is Pokemon that are considered like beautiful or like they're very, you know, 
you know, beauty-centered Pokemon, and yes. then her ace is a Garbodor, uh, a Gigantamax Garbodor. Uh, you know, a little symbolism there. But, yeah, it. I feel like that also uh, is pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I think Oleana deserves uh, some some recognition. So I'm glad she's on the list. Fourteen's Nissa. Now, this doesn't make me the most mad, but seeing who's above her, that's what kind of infuriates me here a little it bit. I think this. Su- I think this should be higher. Yeah, it definitely surprises me that Nessa's that low. Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't. I don't really know why it's surprising. It just feels like it's surprising that she's that it, low. Yeah. But I mean, she's a she's a cool character. Uh, her gym is sick. Uh, she's just a good overall character. I just expected her to be higher. Uh, to be honest, but lowest rank of all the people on here, she's the lowest ranked gym leader, which I also think is. There are some no, there are some people who aren't on this list like Mustard's not on here, Milo's not on here. Just yeah, those characters. Clara at thirteen, I didn't like Clara personally, and I, she was one I had to deal with in the sword version. I wasn't a big fan <laughs> of her character, so I'm okay with thirteen. Yeah, I mean, I liked the rivals that were in there. I just liked how just over the top, just asshole or like they were just over the top assholes, and it was great. Uh, and they just got so so mad at you when you like showed them up during the dlc and that yeah. was probably the best part of uh of the isle of armor was interacting with those guys so probably uh, i also like how clara and and avery come back in the crown tundra and they have progressed to minor league gym leaders so if sword and shield uh gets some kind of sequel don't they they could be gym leaders which is pretty cool so yeah i like her there there's definitely sequel potential of that game. Ugh. It really is. Also, I just realized that... There's two 11s. <laughs> yeah, for, I realized that, and I also realized that you said you didn't want to go through the whole thing because it would make you too mad, and now we're going through the whole thing. That's true. We, we, need, to, we need to spend long on it. So, uh, 12's okay. p That's too low. Yeah. Alistair uh, at 11? That's okay. I, I think Alistair's pretty good. Avery uh, at 10. I did like Avery better than, than Clara. Even I though I didn't play Shield, so I'm biased. I think I like him more too. Uh, is that oh, what's her That's name? That's Bead. B B at nine. B at nine. Bead yeah. uh, the. I liked him. He was my favorite rival of of all of them. Uh, yeah, which is yeah. because the two rivals, the two other rivals, are above him. Uh, but I like Bead the best. Just again, battle music, amazing. Uh, and he became the fairy type gym leader later on, which is pretty cool. So. Sonya at eight. Uh, deserved. Yeah, Sonya was really. I wish he had more to do in the story. I, yeah, well, they try. They try to make that happen in the Crown yeah. Hundred DLC, but it just doesn't really work. I mean, she she is present in the story. Like she's the one who does all the research for the uh, for dog or the Justice Trio. Yeah, in the in the Crown Tundra, but in the main story as well. Like she is with you. She uncovers the mysteries of. Of Zashi and Zamazenta, which I don't know how they were mysteries. They were they were so easy to find, uh, but you know she was charismatic, and you know she one of the more memorable characters of of I think the main story. So uh, yeah, I agree. Marnie Marnie at seven. I think this is too low. I didn't like Marnie that much. Really? Like I understood like Hop and Bead. Like I understood their roles in the story. Marnie just seemed kind of there. Like, She's I, definitely I a really... third wheel of 
rivals. Yeah, because I feel like Bede and Hop have more established, like, connections to the main character, and they have better arcs. But Marnie, she just battles you and then becomes the gym leader. I get she has a fun, she has a, a sort of shy personality, which people find endearing, which I understand. But yeah, seeing her this high just doesn't feel right to me personally. Six is our protagonist. That also doesn't make I, sense. I don't get this pick at all. I, I mean, I th- Gen Eight, the protagonists are the most. Uh, expressive protagonist we've ever gotten yeah it's true but that is not saying much nope because nope. none of our protagonists are very expressive no none slightest so i i don't understand why they're up so high they don't they have any personality it's just you so i don't know i personally don't even know why they were an option to vote for yeah i know and you have people like milo and b b would be on my list personally now then again uh obviously gloria was added uh the female protagonist yep she was added to pokemon masters where she has a standalone personality uh but i don't think there are enough pokemon masters players to completely skew this vote to where she would get to number six no even on then like look if you look at the votes like the jump between five and four is really noticeable Yes, so, so I that brings us to the top five then. Kaboo yes. is five. That's interesting. I really thought like so he is this. Uh, no, he's not, but he is a top two gym leader. I'll say that much. Yeah, I mean he is actually top three. Uh, oh yeah, top three. Kabu, I don't know. I didn't really like. I like Nessa better than Kabu. I'll Correct. say that. I think I think so too. I think I like I like Milo better than Kabu. I was about to say I. There are a lot of gym leaders I liked better than Kabu. I mean he's cool. Like I. I like him probably about as much. I feel like all the gym leaders are on very equal ground for me, to be honest. There's one that I think stands out. Yeah, I mean, is it is it is the or I is that gym leader either of the ones that are above Kabu? It's number four. Okay, and yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. I feel like Kabu. That's such a weird place for Kabu. But hey, I'll take it. He was cool. So then that brings us to four, which is Piers. I think Piers is the best gym leader. Piers is cool. Uh, I I really liked uh, his role in the story where you know he doesn't Dynamax and he's like the gym leader of the. He helps you. Out. He helps you out in the post game. Yeah, and he's like gym leader of the uh, the poor, like the poor, the, the, the mm-hmm. poor town, like the rundown town that doesn't Spike have. Spikemouth, I believe. Spikemouth, yeah. Uh, literally, with the worst town ever. It's just a straight line. But, yeah, it's horrible. Uh, him as a character is pretty cool. I. It, he is the sole reason why this game should have voice acting. Uh, I don't know why they would make a singer gym leader if they're not going to give him a voice. But we're, you know, we'll we'll forget about that for now. He he was a good character, and I I feel like four is a good place for him. Three's hop. Three is hop. There have been a lot. There's been a lot of hop sympathy ever since uh, the game first came out. Uh. Just because I feel like people feel bad about absolutely crushing his dreams of being a trainer. <laughs> uh, so much so he has a career switch. Yeah, Colby, I don't think you share the same sentiment. You, you still dislike the, the good old hopster, don't you? I just, no, he's not a challenge, and I don't think he's a good rival. The fact that he is worthy of the legendary is a disgrace. Uh, yeah, I mean... 
I'm, I, I, we've we've done the armchair hop psychology episode. Like I, I'm on the fence with him. I think he's all right. Uh, I think he's a I think he's a pretty good concept for a rival. Uh, but I agree. The you know. the outlines there. Yeah, I I feel like it's not surprising that he's up this this high though, based on the the community uh, response to him yeah. over time. I feel like that spot makes sense from a meta perspective. But moving on, uh, two is Leon, and two's would two would actually be my number one if I yeah, had to make a same. list. Absolutely, I think Leon's better than Ryan with Raheen. I don't know how to say Raihan. Yeah, Ryan, who's one, which is kind of shocking. But I think he's. I think Leon's better than him. I definitely think Leon's better than Raihan. But I mean, Raihan's probably, you know, it, a lot. Raihan, Leon, and peers have become sort of a trio mm-hmm. uh in the in the pokemon community um based on like their their dialogue in like some some battles and tournaments and such but uh i think leon is an amazing champion uh super, i think so too super cool character super great battle music like i will live and die that his is one of the best champion themes ever uh the whole it, it kind of suck that he Huh? The whole soundtrack for that game is really good. Yeah, it's amazing. But it is the things in the story that kind of annoyed me about Leon was that you would hear new stories. I think it happened twice. Where it's like there's Dynamax Pokemon rampaging out of control over in this region, and you know you go to investigate, and Leon's like, "Nope, I'll go take care of it. I'll go take care of all that exciting stuff that you could be doing. Uh, you go focus on your gym challenge." It's like, why even? Like, what is going yeah. on? Like, why even introduce that if you're not going to let us go and do that? You're just going to make Leon do it. Yeah, it's it's trying to get the point across that Leon's a really strong trainer, but in the end, you know that your destiny is to beat him. So I don't know yeah. what the whole gist is there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's I think he's a likable character. I like that you meet him. Lit- I like how he gives you your Pokemon. I think that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool, and he uh, gives you a Charmander once you beat the game. Yeah, he he he's a more unique champion as far as his role in the story goes. Uh, and the fact that I can say all this about Leon and I literally have nothing to say about Raihan shows that Leon should be number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Raihan's his rival. He's tall, and he has a he has a very cool gym. Double battles. Uh, not even all of his Pokemon are only like half his Pokemon are actually Dragon type. Yeah, which I still think it's cool. I feel like that's the way that Pokemon should go in the future, where it's not just typed gyms, it's like theme gyms, you know? Yeah. Like, not every Pokemon has to be the same type, but they have to follow a theme. I uh, agree with that. But, you know, Raihan, probably very likable for his step in the right direction in that regard. Uh, so, again, understandable that he's very high. I just feel like Leon, far and away, surpasses him. I agree, completely. So, so yeah. that's that's it for Sword and Shield character rankings, unless you have anything else to add. Uh, no, that's it was just an interesting... Dialogue. I mean, Sword and Shield. We we said this time and again. They've had they've had some really good ideas for characters, and some of them are good characters actually. And there's a lot of potential with them. And I feel like Crown Tundra uh, definitely capitalized on that by introducing Peony and and uh, and Calyrex and and all that. Yep, so, I agree. You know, sort. I feel like Sword and Shield's characters is something that we should keep an eye on because uh, I feel like they have potential to uh, appear again. In the future, whether it be in a Sword and Shield sequel or even just other games in general, so pretty cool to see uh, 
the opinions that other that the masses have apparently. So yeah, definitely interesting to see. And I do agree that they have some good concept for characters. It's just how they implement them in the story going forward. Further will be if they take the next step or not. Right. All right. That's good. Brock gave us some questions that we can talk about on the show today. So shout out okay. to Brock, Outcast Podcast. You guys already know. All right, here, here you see it. He called himself his Gen 1 smooth brain friend. So that's about right. Okay. His first question, and we're still in Pokemon here. In our opinion, which starter pairing in Gen 1 is the right pairing? Red and Venusaur, Blue and Charizard, or Green and Blastoise, or Red and Charizard, Blue, Blastoise, Green, Venusaur? So, I, I talked to, I, I think I tweeted about this when he, when he, I think he had to. On Taco's, like, Twitter, he asked about, like, what, mm-hmm. what, which starter went with which Gen 1 protagonist. Uh, for the longest time, I always thought, like, Red Charizard, Blue Blastoise, Green Venusaur. Like, it just makes sense. Yeah. Uh, with their literal names. You know, that's how I was, I always thought of it growing up. But, ever since Let's Go came out, and I've seen, like, I've learned the history of, like, their names and which Pokemon they've had in other source material. I think I like the red with Venusaur, blue with Charizard, and green with Blastoise. Makes it a lot more confusing. Uh, But I think I like that uh, outcome the best. Because I I like the fact, or I like the idea that red traded some of his Pokemon to get get the other starters on his team. So he traded with blue and green to get the starters on his team. And I think that that's a really cool concept. Uh, just to, to add to the character of red, that he wanted all three starters and that he traded with his friends and his rivals uh, to get them. And I think, and I also am biased to, uh, to Bulbasaur being the best gen one starter. So I think that would be really cool if that was reds uh, starter. In the origins, red chooses Charizard, correct? Correct. In, in Pokemon origins, red chooses Charizard and Pokemon masters, uh, it is revealed, also Taco talked about this on his Twitter, that Red chose Charizard, Blue chose Blastoise, and Leaf chose Venusaur, or at least that those versions of them from whatever universe they came to, or they came from. In that universe, they chose those their original starters. I think uh, I'm sticking with the original concept here. With the, for... with the, color, co- with the color coordination? Not even that. I just think it it just makes the most sense. Yeah, I think I, for Red I, to choose Charizard or Charmander, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes the most sense. Like, I think that is probably what Game Freak should go with if they yeah. ever have to make it like, this is his starter, this is what's going on. If they bring all three back in another game, Charizard should be with Red. If he doesn't have all yeah. three, Charizard should be with Red. It's just almost synonymous now. But I, I don't know, I'm just very partial to red choosing venusaur uh that's just my personal favorite incarnation i think that's just super cool uh, i understand i understand the line of thinking with it and it's certainly interesting it's just i can't see like leaf or green whoever you want to call her just having a squirtle like that doesn't really fit right with me yeah it i, I can see that i mean i've played pokemon masters for so long that i barely can see it either i've never even played let's go and i like that concept anyway but yeah, I think 
I think the red. I think the color. I'm gonna just call them the color coordination starters. Yeah. I think that set of starters makes more sense. Uh, even with like the personalities, uh, the very little that we know about them, I feel like they match a bit more. Yeah. Uh, also, we've had them animated in Origins, which may make me biased towards that fact as well. But uh, yeah, the the red Venusaur one is uh, my personal favorite, but the one that definitely makes the most sense in my mind is the color coordination ones. So, and I'm and, sure that's and I'm sure that's the one that Brock thinks makes sense as well. So I got your back there, buddy. And a second question, which we can kind of deep dive into because it's interesting. I've never really thought about it, but it's always been on my mind as a Pokemon fan. Okay. What happened on Mount Silver? Who actually won? Was there ever actually a battle? What went down on Mount Silver on that day? I don't know when the day was, but what happened on that day? Yeah, I mean, with... There's a lot of theories out there. There are. There's a lot. I mean, with all of the... Again, with the crazy timeline that Pokemon has, you know, there's probably a universe where either outcome happens, where either Red Mm -hmm. wins or Ethan wins or whatever, you know. And, you know, there's probably timelines where something... Were, you know, they had different teams and different, you know, whatever. Or at least Ethan had different teams because now Reds was kind of set in stone in the Johto games. But in my opinion, I think Ethan won. I think Ethan won that battle. And, you know, I hope what I, what happens after. I don't think this is what happened, but I hope what happens is that Red went off that mountain and he went back to his mom. <laughs> because no, we no chance. we go to Pallet Town and we talk to her and she's like, I'm worried about my son. I haven't seen him in so long. So I hope that Red came down from that mountain and kind of went back to society, you know? Like, in my mind, Red had been, like, isolated up there for so long. My original thought was that Red went up there to, like, find Mew or something. And just so, like, stayed there. And he just stayed there to train to become the most powerful trainer he could be. Uh, and he just stayed up there and kind of isolated himself. And then Ethan came along and beat him. Yeah. And then that kind of snapped him out of it and kind of made him return to society. And I feel like, you know, his appearance in Pokemon Sun and Moon, where he's, you know, with Blue again, and he's the boss of the battle tree. And, you know, even in Pokemon Masters, where he actually speaks for the first time. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that, my headcanon is that that is a result of Ethan beating him where he kind of reintegrated himself. He's a bit more comfortable around people again. Uh, and, you know, he became kind of like the old red that people remembered him as. Yeah. That's what I think happened. I think, I think Ethan won that battle and that red kind of put came out of isolation on the mountain after that. And we're obviously talking about this from this is happening as we're as the player, which is us, is in a different generation. Like obviously the player, like character, you are the player character in Pokemon. So this isn't we're not talking about like the player like Tyler beating Red because then yeah. we're talking about like if this happens in correlation with another game. So yes, I was on. I was on like I was on Reddit threads last night trying to, like because there's a bunch of theories going around and my favorite one is the Dorabo. This is credit to he her I don't really know but this yeah. is the most this is the most this is the most liked theory. There's multiple theories but 
Yeah. Obviously, the first one is your traditional one where Ethan beats Red. Red goes back to society. You continue completing the Pokedex or doing whatever the hell you want to do, and Red is kind of just vanishes. We don't really know what happens to him. Yeah. The second one I saw, which is the most interesting one, was called The Ghost Theory. Yeah, I was about to mention this if you didn't. Where Red goes to find... He becomes... Red never really became champion because when you go back to play again, Blue is still the champion, and it's like you never beat him. But once you beat Blue, you go on completing the Pokedex as seen in Origins, and you go to that cave to find Mewtwo, but instead of you catching Mewtwo, Mewtwo just completely annihilates you, and... I guess, like, they consider, like, his team, he, he like, dies, and that's why... Like, Red dies? Yeah, like, Red dies, like, when when Charizard is thrown into Red by Mewtwo, and they just sink to the bottom of that lake. Holy shit. That's really dark for a Pokemon game, but the theory is that his spirit, and the team of his spirit, goes to Mount Silver to wait for that strong trainer, and once Ethan beats him, like, his spirit is, like, freed, like, in Breath of the Wild, where there's, like, their sole purpose for being alive is fulfilled. And that's why he never goes back to see his mom. I mean, it would make sense as to why Mewtwo is still around when yeah. in like Particle and Soul Silver when you can catch him. Uh, I've also heard theories that he dies on Mount Silver, like he yeah he dies of like hyperthermia and he dies on Mount Silver, which wouldn't make sense because he has a Charizard, but right. it's okay. Uh, I mean, we saw in Origins that Mewtwo physically injured Blue a lot. Yeah. Uh, where he was, like, bedridden with bandages all over him. And he was like, Red, don't go after that Pokemon. Yeah, he's begging him. He's like, don't, please don't do it. So, yeah, that that's a really dark theory, but I think that's really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's unique. Uh, very unique theory. I mean, obviously, we see him alive and well in other games, but those could mm-hmm. just be alternate timelines. Like, Sun and Moon exactly. may not even take place in the same timeline as Gold and Silver. And Pokemon Masters is just a hodgepodge. Like, that that's just outside of time itself basically yeah correct so, it's so far in the distant future like it like hoopa could be taking people from like all sorts of different dimensions and bringing them to this this patio island but yeah so masters is kind of like an outlier a non-factor in that so yeah. he i feel like that could be uh something uh, i i don't know i mean you think I, that I, I, that backs up the theory of Red never talking. That backs up the fact of it him does, being in the does, first does. place. It backs up the fact of him seeing ever seeing his mom. Backs up Mewtwo being in the cave still. Like, no one's seen this guy. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon is no stranger to dark themes or even ghosts, actually. Yeah, like, correct. You know, in multiple games, there are literal ghosts that you can see and interact with as a, as a physical human. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you can ever battle one, but you can see them walking around. Uh, and... You know, obviously Pokemon is also not uh, a stranger to dark themes, usually in the form of Easter eggs uh, that you can find that are just very sinister-ish, uh, like the ghost girl uh, in, in X and Y is a very popular one. Uh, another one in X and Y is there's like, a, there's like a carving on the back, or like a note on the back of a sign that says like, you know, wait in the usual place, or like if things go wrong or something. Yeah. And like, oh, that's so like mysterious and cool. So, you know, Pokemon... I'm not sure if they'd have the capability to do that to Red. Yeah, they're 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 like like their their baby main, boy. Yeah, exactly. Their main like central focus when it comes to Pokemon protagonists. Yeah, but I think that's a super cool theory, uh, and really again just so dark because he's like yeah. canonically like so young, like he's he's like 14 at the oldest. <laughs> and Mewtwo just wrecks his shit. And Mewtwo <laughs> just murders him. That'd be rough. 
That would be rough. But and then the final theory is that it's the most lame theory where Ethan beats uh, Red and then Red like takes Ethan as his mentor or under his wing. But uh, uh, okay, I don't. There, there's no. I don't think there's any evidence to back that up. Uh, unless yeah. Gold wants to go. Unless Gold wants to go catch all the legendaries, like we are assuming Red did. Which also, why didn't Red use any of the legendaries if he's battling Gold up there? Or I Ethan, mean, I guess he didn't. He also didn't have Moltres after Sardacuno. Because true, they're could, still out there too. You could catch them, yeah. He went for so. Mewtwo first, so this is more proof that <laughs> went for Mewtwo and died. He's actually dead. Because <laughs> Origins, he did catch and he used catch, legendary yeah. birds against Mewtwo. But maybe if Red died, the birds would be released back to their normal places. Mm-hmm. So that maybe that adds more credence to the oh, Red is dead, Red is dead theory. Oh God! Uh, oh my God! Yeah, Red, isn't... Red fucking died, Colby. Oh my God! <laughs> Listen, Brock wanted us to answer this question. This is not the answer at all what he wanted. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question and some really good theories as well. Listen, uh, if Red got killed, then he cannot be the greatest trainer ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> if Red got murdered, he sucks. He, yeah, everything. I'm gonna need those eight badges back, buddy. <laughs> they just pick them off of his corpse. Like, uh, I'll be taking that back. Good God, like, imagine if, if you're in the Cerulean Cave and it's just like, oh, my God, you found a, a wallet and eight gym badges. And you're like, what the? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I'm power. I'm powering this game off. I don't want to play anymore. What's this? Uh, there are eight Red. little badges in this case. What could this be? <laughs> yeah, and a two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Oh, and and a and a red and a red hat. Oh, what well, that's interesting. Why is Mewtwo? Why is Mewtwo? Why is Mewtwo a Pokemon? Why does he have a Pikachu? Oh my gosh. Oh boy, that's that is... a really that is a really cool theory. I if I didn't like red, if I didn't want red to be alive so much, I would believe it. But that just sounds so dark. Even for Pokemon. That's a bit of a stretch. Just killing a protagonist. Yeah, just killing your main protagonist from your first ever game. I don't think that's yeah in the in still, the realm of possibility. Really still that, a great theory though. That kind of adds up in a lot of yeah, places. Yeah, so, really strangely adds up. You know, Pokemon is never going to confirm. They never. They're probably never going to confirm any of this like story stuff. But it, that's the fun of theories. It's fun to just speculate. Exactly. Fun of see what, what crazy things that you can actually justify. So. Yeah, that that was a really good question. So, that's really sick. And then, Brock's final question is: If we could put ourselves in any Nintendo game, what game would we implement ourselves in? And this is tough because, me personally, I think I've said this before. I think I put myself in Pokemon because yeah, it's kind of weird that we just got them talking about this. Like, I don't want to die and. <laughs> I kind of just want to wield cool mons. Like, I, yeah, no, it'd be awesome to be in a Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, I'm dead in five years, but it'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mario, I'm, I'm not taking my chances living in the Mushroom Kingdom knowing that giant turtle's out there. Mm-hmm. Zelda is literally an apocalypse. Like, everyone's for themselves. Yeah. Kirby, I, I'm, I'm not going to bed knowing Marks is out there at night. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just so many, like, maybe, I think Animal Crossing would be my second answer because that's just... That's just normal place. Uh, then, You're just in debt then, a lot. Then, yeah, then again, Tom Nook's knocking on my door at like the IRS, so I don't want that yeah, on my got, back he's either. He's got the, the goon squad coming up to, to collect your taxes. Exactly. So I think I just put myself in... What Pokemon region would you pick to live in? If I was putting myself in Pokemon, because there's another option that I want to explore, okay. but... Alright. Yeah, but... Yeah, I, I would want to put myself in Pokemon, probably. I mean, it's, it's Pokemon. Everyone wants to be a, a Pokemon trainer. 
and travel the world and, and do cool battles. But even if I wasn't like a a trainer or anything, I think it'd just be cool to live in the Pokemon world and have like one Pokemon with me. Exactly. I think that'd be cool. But yeah, region. I don't know. I like the beach, so Alola is pretty appealing. But there are literal aliens invading that place, so maybe I'll. I was gonna say Sinnoh, but knowing Garatina lives there, I'm let's out. say Garatina's tearing <laughs> shit apart over there. Honestly, Hoenn's got too much water. Uh, I don't know. I'm an American. I might just use Unova. <laughs> I was about to say Unova seems like the best option here. There's no evil deity rolling over the. If the story never happens, the legendaries are just stones, so we're not in any kind of trouble there. The... I think I might do Unova or even Johto. Like, I really like... I don't know why. Johto just seems very homey. And, oh, I'd be, like, oh still, yeah, for sure. You but still have a, a variety of places to go, you know, and explore, so... Yeah, I'm not going to Galar knowing that uh, Eternatus is out there and there's evil, evil beings there. Basically, the two most player friends... Oh, I'm definitely not going to Hoenn, because Kyogre and Groudon fight, like, once a week, Oh, yeah, so. that's right. They, <laughs> there's they no chance so domestic skirmishes, yeah, no. There's no chance. And then, and then a dragon flies out of the sky? No <laughs> way. I'm out of there. Mewtwo another or, alien comes from in a meteor. And... <laughs> Mewtwo can just literally take over the Kanto region if he wanted to, so I'm not living there. There's a whole lot of Pokemon regions I would not live in, uh, but yeah, Johto and yeah, I guess Ho and Lugia are pretty chill legendaries, honestly. Yeah, Lugia sleeps in a waterfall, and Ho Ho, you can see like once in your lifetime, and it's the most beautiful thing you'll ever see. So I'll take my chances yeah, with I that. Guess I guess I'd pick Johto actually. Yeah, it's the hat. Yeah, it's the hat. It's the happiest region. The building burns down, and Ho is like, you know what? I'm gonna bring these guys back, but as legendaries. <laughs> yeah, I'm chilling, Johto. Actually, that, that's yeah, a pretty good. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna live in a. I'm gonna live in that city with the the, is it uh Signwood where it's like that little outcast on the beach city like that's where I'm living. Ooh, so I far from, remember a lot of the so far from civilization. I'll look up the Johto <laughs> region. Yeah, I, I think Johto is definitely the the best pick for for a real life living location. Yeah, Cyanwood. That's the one that's so far Cyanwood. out. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we have a uh, New Bark, Cherry Grove, Violet, Azalea, Goldenrod. Oh God! Uh, the one where Ho-Ho's from. Ecrutique, Olivine, Cyanwood City. Oh, dude, There's... Olivine. Olivine's better. Oh yeah, Olivine's great. Olivine. Olivine's awesome. great too. Mahogany Town and Blackthorn City. Yeah, that's I think absolutely I think I think the best region to live. Yeah, that's you kidding me? Best. What are we even thinking? What? what? Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> you know, I love America, but uh, this is way cooler. <laughs> way better. Yeah, Johto is definitely the region for me. But uh, going back to what I said earlier. Uh, I think another game that I want to put myself in is actually Splatoon. Can you die in Splatoon? Like, is there any? I don't form think of... so because okay, even good, if I'm, you, I'm in it. Even if you die in like, or die or get splatted or whatever in splatted, a that's death. I can live yeah. with that. No, in in a in, the, in a match like in a yeah, you no, know, in a in a skirmish, you know, for sport, the respawn stations bring you back anyway. Like, I'm pretty sure that's canon that you just. You know, the two respawn stations at the end keep you from dying. I'm in there. Good. <laughs> so I feel like that would be a cool place. I mean, you just compete and fight against your friends all the time while still having like a normal kind of like city life mm-hmm. on the, in the meantime. I think that'd be pretty cool. People have taken some creative liberties with like what they think, uh, you know, the Inklings lives are besides just competing in those matches and turf wars. Uh, obviously, you have the Octolings running around and like the. You know, there's some evilness going on there, but Agents 3 has got it covered, so... Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, we're chilling. I mean, it's post-apocalyptic. Like, it, it's 
confirmed that humans actually existed in the Splatoon world, but the ocean levels rise and killed all of us, so... <laughs> We're all but, dead. Yeah, I think Splatoon would be cool to live in, being an inkling and, you know, doing all that cool uh, competitive uh, sports stuff, but... Yeah, Pokemon's definitely number one, but I think Splatoon's a close second for me. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of other games that... Like every other game, like... I mean, every no other way, game I play no is just deadly and... Yeah, correct, like, yeah. Like, kill you. <laughs> yeah I can die the second I step, I leave my home village. So, yeah, Pokemon, specifically the Johto region, is definitely... Oh, yeah, a, for sure. I, I, that was, I was funny thinking of all the, like, the... Now there's aliens in uh, the Alola. And Alola, yeah, Ultra there, Beasts. Yeah, there's... Ult, ult, yeah, I'm not messing with them. Eternatus is just chilling. There's literally an evil... The the government is evil in the Galar. Yeah. <laughs> Mewtwo could turn up whenever he wants in, <laughs> in Kanto. I mean, Kyurem and the... That's not safe either. Kyurem's horrifying. Yeah, yeah Kyurem's pretty horrifying, and Team Plasma has gotten pretty bold in Black and White 2 by freezing an entire city. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, I mean, literally, the worst thing that's happened in Johto is a lightning strike struck a building. That's it. And and Ho's like, I can fix this, and he did. I mean, Team Rocket is like the mafia, but Giovanni's not there. There's no point. Yeah, Giovanni's not there, and I mean, the worst thing to do is take over a radio tower. Yeah, and <laughs> they handle that. Yeah, and Thunder, like we Thunder Punch Typhlosion handles that. Yeah, Thunder Punch Typhlosion. But yeah. Johto's pretty sick. Why do, Why haven't we thought about that? And as Chikorita, the best starter. So yeah, Chikorita, of course, best starter. Watch our last uh, episode for confirmation of that. Yeah, uh, that got people in the tizzy. Yeah. That was a that was, that was a good question, though. Thank you, thank you, Brock. For, yeah, thanks, Brock, for, for giving us content for this yeah. very news uh, news dry episode. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, new All things right. happening with that game. Uh, season its eighth season. Uh, is coming February 2nd. Uh, they're introducing a new character called Fuse, who is an explosives expert. Uh, they are updating a map, uh, the first map they added called King's Canyon. They're going to be changing it for this. Uh, and tomorrow there is a um, there's a gameplay trailer coming out, which I'm excited. I will probably ignore class a little bit to watch that. Uh, <laughs> I think that's at 10 a.m. So uh, that's exciting for me, personally, because... I've been playing Xbox a lot more recently, and it's, Apex is one of my my tippy top games uh, that is not Nintendo related. Although it is, it should be coming to the Switch at some point. Uh, and there's it's a lot. Not- there's a oh, that could be a good thing. What game? What games do we want ported to the Switch most? <laughs> yeah, I, I I have a ton. Definitely want Apex to come to the Switch. They announced like it so long party ago. games. Like yeah, both third, third parties. parties want to come to the Switch. I'd kill that Final Fantasy VII remake come to the Switch at some point. I would Dude, kill. Yeah, I, I would absolutely love that. My def- Switch would explode in the process, but I think it'd be worth it. Yeah, definitely worth it. I think those are my big two. The one that I'm super interested in but never played, and the one I play a lot, that's supposed to be coming to the Switch anyway, but it just hasn't yet. You're getting kicked off the Xbox these days. You need that puppy on Switch. Yeah, I, I am kick- getting kicked off uh, relatively regularly. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Apex, super exciting stuff coming down the line there very soon. Um, Pokemon Masters, I talked about a little bit. Uh, they're adding a Valentine's update with a with a Serena, the uh, protagonist okay. slash rival of Gen Six. Uh, she's getting a special like outfit for Valentine's Day, and uh, she's pairing up with a Whimsicott instead of her usual Delphox this time, which is pretty cool. Fire Emblem Heroes is currently doing a. 
like a poll, and the top three for both male and female get um, alternate. Yes, I saw that. I saw a lot of the do propaganda on Twitter. There's a oh my god, let me go find it because they had the they have the top three like. It's round five, so yeah, I, I saw this a is, list. They're like a this, top. Yeah, list. here it is. So I got it right here. All right, all right. For the for the women, uh, Erica is first from the Sacred Stones. Female Byleth from the Academy is second, and Marianne is third from Three Houses. Four Ooh. is Bernadetta. Five is Corin. Six Hilda. Seven Robin. Eight Azura. Nine Dorothea. Ten Tharja. And for the males, Marth hasn't had an alternate in so long, so he's one. Gatekeepers two from three Let's houses. <laughs> Krom is three from Awakening. Byleth four from three houses. Felix five from three houses. Robin six from Awakening. Yuri seven three houses. Selif, Genealogy of the Holy Wars eight. Dudu nine. Ash ten. A lot of fire on three houses reps on this one. Also featuring in the top twenty. Sylvain, Lindhart, and Caspar. Okay, gate. I cannot believe gatekeepers number two. And I guess for female, so top ten. So I guess female character on the fire emblem rankings: Violet two, Marion three, Bernadette four, Hilda six, Dorothea nine, twelve's Rhea, fourteen Silthus, fifteen is Saros, the alternate form of Rhea, sixteen's yeah. Constance, nineteen's Ingrid. So that is just littered with three houses. I mean, it's three houses. And it's yeah, fire. Of course, they're gonna have that many votes, but mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Uh, it is. I have not played Fire Emblem Heroes. I, I played it very recently, or not recently. I played it when it first came out, but I never kept on it. I'm saving up my gems because I, there's no one I really want right now. Like the there's a Azura card right now who's pretty yeah. thing. I've never played Faith, so I'm not that inclined mm-hmm. to get it. There's a Dorothea alt right now. There's a Tharja alt right now. I could get. I yeah. tried to get Erica's Christmas Day thing, but I never got that. So I just kind of just stockpiling my gems right now. Yeah, I am also. I'm doing that as well. Waiting for. I need to see what Serena, the Valentine's Day Serena does because I need a fairy type like attacker because I just don't have a good one. Uh, I don't think she's gonna be attacker though. So my entire three house, my entire um, lineup right now is three houses. I have all all the three, all the four like three houses. Um, war arc people, Lysithia, Claude, Edelgard, Dimitri. That's my team. Right oh now. yeah, you got. I remember you sent me pictures. I have all four. Got those. Yeah, I have all four. Those super so. sick. Yeah, I sweated my nards off for him, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'm saving up my gems as well. Uh, maybe for the 1.5 year anniversary is coming up for uh, Pokemon Masters, one and a half years. Uh, well, 25, that, 25 year Pokemon too. Somebody something for that. I was about to say, I there's a lot of anniversaries coming up, so I'm definitely I'm gonna keep my gems close to the t- chest to mm-hmm. make sure that I I spend them on the one that I want. Uh, but. Uh, I know Pokemon Masters is also adding uh, a new legendary event featuring Xerneas and Yveltal soon. X so and Y. That'll be very fun to see. I feel like X and Y is like a forgotten Pokemon game, so it's good to see yeah, that it's, they're getting some reps. Yeah, I feel like it used to be like Gen 5 that got all the hate, but I feel like now it's, I feel like Gen 6, not necessarily is getting hate, but it's sort of like the most... Just swap under. under the rug. Yeah, and I really like, uh, I, I really like Gen 6. I have a lot of nostalgia for that game, so... Uh, I'm excited for that. They said that the the two legendaries, one's going to be free with the event, so you just okay. have to grind the event to get it, and the second one is going to be a banner, so you'd have to pull for it with gems. Uh, and they said that the sync pairs that pair up with them might be a little unexpected, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like Lysander has to be one of them. Probably. Because, you know, Giovanni is in the game with Mewtwo, Cyrus is in with Palkia, 
uh, you know, it seems like the villains are getting their legendaries. Yeah. So maybe Lysander gets the one that's in the event. So maybe like we don't know which one gets in the event, but I think Lysander will get one and maybe a Kalem alt. Maybe. Like Kalem's already in the game, which is the again protagonist slash rival of Gen Six. Uh, he has Meowstic. He doesn't even have a Gen Six starter. He just has Meowstic. <laughs> it's a lot like Leon Charizard. Yeah, but yeah, that that's something I'm looking forward to uh, because I have no idea what it's gonna be. But yeah, that I guess that's our Gotcha Games update. Yeah, you it's our Fire Heroes. Our, I have well, once every. Like once every couple weeks, we'll update you on the gacha game. On the gachas, yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's all the personal stuff I have. Uh, oh, did you? <laughs> you didn't spend any money on Genshin, did you? I saw that on Twitter. No, I didn't. I I saw that introspective spent his first his first dollars on I, on nope, Genshin. Won't do it, dude. I I jumped ship before that could happen. The the grind is lib is just ridiculous. And just the amount of stuff that you need for a character to be, like, usable mm-hmm. just costs so much. Like, I've seen people throw away so much money, Colby. Like, I still watch Genshin Impact creators because I think that I think the game is interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, oh, my God, people, like, I don't know how much, so much money has gone into this game. Like, these guys, the developers must be rich. Oh, my God, they're thriving. There's it. They are like Genshin Impact has been a huge success, and I feel like I've talked to you about this before. I want to talk about like microtransactions in video games and gotcha games, and like yeah. their increasing presence of these mechanics in the industry. But we'll talk about that in another episode. But man, oh, it's definitely interesting you guys because see, for some games, it's the sole purpose of their being is to yeah, have like transactions. That's mostly the gotcha games. That yeah. is the masters and the Fire Emblem heroes and the Genshin Impacts, mm-hmm. but. I feel like more of those mechanics are making their way into regular AAA games. Like Genshin Impact is a PC and PS4 game as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just a mobile game. Like that's also like it's sort of like a a more AAA experience. Like it's a huge RPG. Yeah. So it's just interesting to think about what place these games are going to have in the future and what impact they'll have on other regular games in the future i say regular they might become the new regular i have no idea yeah they might be yeah if you guys want to see hearts and bank accounts break (laughs) there is no better place to look than the genshin impact community it's true it's true but i think on that note that's everything yeah i think on that note uh that is everything so thank you guys so much for making your way to the end of this uh episode if indeed you are still listening uh, we very much appreciate it, and uh, we also ask that if you enjoyed it, to please leave us a review on mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. We're yes. always looking out for feedback. Uh, that's something we really value, and we want to, you know, see what you guys think about our yep. segments, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, uh, things like that. Big shout out to Brock for giving us questions that made up yep. a lot of the content of this episode. We couldn't yep. have done this without you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and yeah, cool. Do you want to tell them uh, where they can find? Uh, the links to our other platforms. You can find them in the description. It's at SwitchUpPod on basically everything. Instagram, Twitter, Gmail, if you want to suggest something there instead of leaving a review. But everything's always open. DMs are always open. If you guys want to just chat, have questions, want to suggest segments, anything like that, we are always willing to listen. We would love to get feedback from you guys. It'd be awesome. And 
on that note, this has been another episode of the Switch It Up podcast. Thank you once again for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. See you later, gamers.